welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. We have a question. So in the past couple of episodes, we've been talking a lot about yarn itself, not necessarily knitting things, but yarn construction and how it behaves and the ways that that type of yarn, any type of yarn, will impact your fabric. And recently, we received a letter from a listener that felt very in line with that. We decided that it was deserving of a whole episode's worth of conversation rather than just a couple of minutes. So today, that's what we're going to focus on. So what you're telling me is you are ready for a letter. Like 100%. Let's do it. So the letter that prompted this episode came from Kelsey. Hey, Kelsey. Can you talk about how to do knitting math in regards to swatch size? If I knit a swatch of a certain size, how do I apply that to a pattern? I often want to use different weight yarn than a pattern calls for, and I would love your guidance. Kelsey, that's an excellent question, and I feel like it is one that many knitters before you and many knitters in the future will ponder. And there are a couple of different ways to address this, but we are going to start with the core of your question, which is knitting math. There's going to be some math. I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair mussed. Get out your paper and pencils, friends. Because sometimes you just have your heart set on a specific project being knit with a specific yarn, even though there are things about that yarn that differ from what the designer has used, such as specifically, in this case, weight. So it's just going to be a different number of stitches to create the same amount of fabric. So it's time to sing the math song. Math, 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 math. And then get ready to swatch. Swatch. Don't feel intimidated by doing these adjustments. You can absolutely do it. Like we're like, ah, it's going to be some math. Like it is going to be some math. It's very, very doable. You have a calculator. It's probably in your phone. (laughs) (laughs) so when i was little i was in like third or fourth grade we were supposed to be learning our multiplication tables and i memorized most of my multiplication tables but not all of my multiplication tables and my dad was like well you need to learn this and little me on camera went no i don't calculators exist what my dad said to me was but you don't carry a calculator with you everywhere because your dad could not see into the future that's right no (laughs) one knew about smartphones So don't feel intimidated by this math. You got this. Yeah, you totally have this. But in order to do it, you need a little data to start from, which means step one, measure. You need to measure to determine the size that you want your finished garment to be. For sake of ease in this conversation, we are just going to talk about a sweater. You can do this to other things. You could change the weight for a hat or any number of other types of projects. But for today's conversation, it's sweater time. The measurement that you need to take initially is your body measurement. Chest at its fullest part, because that is how sweater sizes are graded. And you need to measure your body and then determine whether you want positive or negative ease. Factor that into your chest measurement and arrive at the size of garment that you want to have. So the number that you're working with to do your calculations isn't your body measurement, it is the size of your finished garment. Step two, 
now that you have some numbers written on paper, is you're going to get out this yarn that you have your heart set on, and you're going to start swatching. Say, for example, this sweater is designed for a worsted weight yarn. You have a bunch of sport weight yarn that you are just wild about, and that's what you want to use. You are going to swatch once, or maybe twice, perhaps thrice, with this sport weight yarn on different size needles to figure out what kind of fabric you would like this sweater to have. So best case scenario, and everyone who's groaning about swatching right now, this is maybe one of the most important times that we're imploring you to swatch. You need to be knitting a large swatch. Don't do cheater swatches like I do sometimes where I (laughs) knit something the size of my thumb and I'm like, I've totally got this. This is going to be fine and then pay for it later. You want to aim for knitting a swatch that's possibly six by six inches or even bigger. You need an extra large swatch here because you're not just getting information about number of stitches per inch from this swatch. You're also figuring out how your fabric is going to behave. Yes. And with a little tiny piece of swatched fabric, you can't tell if it's going to feel really dense or if it's going to loosen up enough that it's going to be ideal sweater fabric for what you're envisioning, since you are envisioning something clearly different than what the designer intended. So do yourself a favor and knit that big swatch. Hold on to it in case you need the yardage later, but do the work on the front end because you're going to be making a number of different choices throughout the process of knitting this garment, not just easy A to Z reading of the pattern. In this hypothetical scenario, it is very possible that with your sport weight yarn, using maybe the needle size that the pattern calls for, maybe a bigger needle size, you could, in theory, get gauge. But that doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you don't like the fabric. You're like, sure, I can get gauge and I can just like pass my entire hand through the (laughs) holes that I've created. If that's not what you're going for, you're going to need to play around a little bit more and make a few different adjustments. Mm -hmm. So you have your measurements done. You've figured out the fabric that you ideally want this sweater to be. So now you have gauge numbers. Get ready, friends. It's math time. Oh, no. Not again. Once you have your stitches per inch, you can do the math. It's one quick trick. One weird trick. What's the (laughs) internet tell us? It's pretty straightforward. Doctors hate it. So what you're going to do is take your number of stitches per inch, so not your number of stitches across four inches, your number of stitches per inch, and you're going to multiply that by your number of inches desired. So the number of inches desired is your body measurement plus four inches of positive ease, for example. Whatever that number you came up with first was, that's what this number is. Number of stitches per inch times number of inches desired equals the total number of stitches required. So now you have this number. Maybe it's 286. It's some number. Once you have this number, now you're going back to your pattern and you're reading through the pattern and you are looking to identify which size has the number that closest approximates this number that you've come up with. Your multiplication gave you 286. Maybe size four in this pattern has 290, and that is the closest written pattern stitch count to the number that you came up with. 
that's the set of instructions you're going to follow. Which is kind of ideal if you're finding that number. And if you're lucky, the designer has done the thing where they tell you how many stitches you should have at several points. Not every pattern is going to have that. This size that you're landing on is what we're calling the adjusted size. So normally you would knit size X. This is your adjusted size. You're going to follow the instructions as it is written in the pattern. And yet, there are a couple of things that you're not going to follow. Your adjusted size, depending on whether that's a bigger or smaller size than you would normally knit, may have different length suggestions for the body or for the sleeves because you may be scaling bigger with your gauge, you may be scaling smaller. So what you're going to do is follow the adjusted size construction, but then for issues of length, you're going to follow along with whatever we're going to say your regular size is. So if your body length is normally 12 inches, and your adjusted size is telling you something that's kind of far off from that, disregard that information and knit to the length that's going to fit your body how you want the sweater to fit your body. You may want to go back and take that number of row information and figure out what the inches would be. Let's say that the pattern's original gauge has four rows to the inch and they're telling you to increase every eight rows. Okay, you're increasing every two inches no matter how many rows it takes you to get there. You just need to take a minute to figure that out. If you're doing this type of adjustment to a sweater, math is math. Numbers really don't lie if you have the correct numbers. But we know that not all yarns are created equal. They have different properties. They will behave differently after you block them. There are a lot of variables that complicate math. The equation can't anticipate what you're deciding to use to knit with. I would strongly recommend that if you're doing this type of adjustment, do your best to try it on with some amount of regularity because you might anticipate a set of numbers for the depth of your yoke from your collarbone to underneath your armpit. But you might find that when you try it on because of how the fabric is that you've chosen, you might want to give yourself a little bit more or less room there. You want it to be deeper or more shallow. So just try on that garment as you go and make your little tweaks and adjustments where you need to. We have a link that we're going to put in the show notes. Tin Can Knits has an article called Knitting a Garment at a Different Gauge that will walk you through some of this also, so we will link to that. It gives you a really good example of adjusting for gauge in one of their little color work vest patterns. And for those of you who are like, you just said a whole bunch of measurement-related things, but I can't envision this. They've got some clearly outlined examples to help you visualize what this process would be like. I really like their diagrams. As somebody who does often struggle to visualize three-dimensional stuff, they work for my brain. So is this something that you could do with any pattern? No. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> but to measure expectations. This type of math, kind of simple, we only threw one equation at you. This type of math for yarn substitutions is really well suited to simple patterns with kind of typical instructions, like something that you can sort of move easily through and patterns that have complex shaping. For example, Usa Tricosa and your ziggurat method. Brilliant. Not really well suited to one simple trick, one, <laughs> one weird trick. Like there's a lot going on there. And I think you would be hard pressed to accurately scale 
your project with this type of calculation. Color work can become problematic depending on how complicated it is. Simple color work, sure, but if there's lots of intricate charting, you might find that it doesn't work out quite how you want it to depending on where there are increases or decreases in the pattern. Same goes for cables or lace, anything where there's a lot of complex math that goes into the initial drafting of the pattern. Not so easy to necessarily just fudge a little bit, for lack of a better term. I think the other place that you could potentially get into trouble is if when you figure out what your adjusted size is, it doesn't actually correspond to any of the sizes. In which case, you need to do a little soul searching about whether you are willing to completely rewrite the pattern or you're not. Right. Sometimes people come and visit us at the shop and they have a pattern in hand that they really love and they have a yarn in hand that they really want to knit it with. And sometimes it is a big jump like lace weight and bulky yarn. That's complicated. You kind of need to regrade things at that point, which is not simple equation math, but like a skilled understanding of drafting for garments. So at that point, you might decide it's not worth this amount of math to maybe get the results I want or maybe not. Then that's when you dive into maybe pattern searching again. Can I find something with a similar aesthetic that will work better for the yarn I really want to use? Or is there a way I can combine the yarn that I really want to use with another fiber to shift the gauge some so that this is a more realistic adjustment? Sometimes you'll get lucky. And if you just go to that designer's catalog of patterns, they will have done this already. Wow, I really want to knit the flax sweater. And I really wish I could figure out how to do it in fingering weight. Well, the flax light, they've already done it. There's a woman who knits at the store and she knits wildly fast. And what she likes to do is sometimes she will look at a beautiful colorwork sweater designed in fingering weight. And so what she'll do is she will just grab some Aran weight or some worsted weight. She doesn't do any of the swatching. And this works for her particular body, but she will just pick the smallest size that's in the pattern and just kind of knits it and hopes for the best. She scales up with her yarn. <laughs> And I think we've seen some of that in some patterns that we've done. Like, was it the penguono that the actual instructions are the same, but you get different sizes by knitting with heavier weight yarn? That's absolutely true. There's one set of instructions for that pattern, and then your gauge determines how big it's going to be. And there's a handy little chart that tells you if you work at this approximate gauge, you're looking at this approximate size. And it's all very approximate because that pattern encourages you to hold multiple strands of yarn together. But it's very valuable information as you're working through your project to determine how you want it to fit you. Because if you don't, sometimes the results get, we're going to say dramatic, dramatic results, <laughs> where you get a tiny penguino, perhaps a penguino. <laughs> Or you get a really massive one that is perfect for you and your dog and your two best friends. I should also say, this woman who just sort of goes for it and hopes for the best has also mastered the art of non-attachment to the outcome. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. she is fully prepared for it to fail. Carry that information with you, whether you decide to try that way or not. For sure. Okay, I want to sub yarn, but I don't know the math song. And so I feel stymied by this. Don't want to do the math. Yeah. How beholden am I to the designer's choices at that point? Well, if you're a chaos knitter like me, <laughs> only kind of, not very. 
You definitely can substitute yarn weights without doing the math because you're not intending to change the gauge. Right. If you've got yarn weights that are close to each other, like for example, DK weight yarn and worsted weight yarn, sometimes it's a real fine distinction between the two. With those two or any other similar weights, sometimes you can just adjust your needle size. But let's dig into the world of what we sometimes call chameleon yarns. So all yarn is interchangeable. You can use fingering weight and sport weight basically interchangeably. You can use sport weight and DK basically interchangeably. You can use DK weight and worsted weight basically interchangeably. It depends on how much of a chaos gremlin you are. (laughs) For sure. So I actually do this fairly often, and I don't put a whole lot of thought into it, which maybe sounds like a weird thing to say, but I am very comfortable with the drape of my fabric being different than what a designer calls for. So I have knit a lot of sweaters where the pattern has called for worsted weight and I've knit it in DK weight or vice versa. And I'm fine with that. I don't get too fussed about it. I have knit two Ursa sweaters, Mm -hmm. one in the original weight that it was called for, which is a bulky yarn. And then the next one that I knit was with a worsted weight. And with that one, I didn't even adjust my needle size to get gauge. I just used the needle size that she called for in the pattern, which was 11, was something kind of big, and my worsted weight yarn. And my fabric was totally different, and I loved it. I much preferred it to the denser fabric of the intended yarn for the project. So you can definitely just roll with it. And if you're open to the possibilities, make your choices. Because the way that the yarn is identified by the makers of the yarn isn't a science. If you are looking to do yarn substitutions and you don't want to do the math and you're not changing the actual gauge, like when I knit my Ursas, I changed the gauge and I did not care. I was open to that. You can follow your regular size in a pattern. You can change the yarn weight, but you need to swatch to do this because you can aim to get the appropriate gauge with a different weight of yarn. So Jackie Seaslack, who designed the Ursa sweater, has a really great blog post on her website that we will link to in the show notes about yarn substitutions at different weights. And instead of having your heart set on one single yarn, she encourages you to swatch with different weights of yarn, and you adjust your needle sizes up or down to get the gauge that the pattern calls for, and you end up with a range of fabric types to choose from. In her post, she talks about the osprey and plover sweaters, which are basically the same design, but the osprey is a pullover and the plover is a cardigan of a half brioche sweater. And she knits these using fingering weight, sport weight, and a DK slash worsted weight yarn. It happens to be Pishkin from The Farmer's Daughter, which is very chameleon in and of itself. It can fluff up to a heavier gauge or be knit tight. But she knits them all to the same number of stitches per inch by just adjusting the needle sizes, and you just follow your pattern. So it's just gauge swatching that allows you to use these different weights. And in fingering weight, it's kind of like light and drapey and summery. And in worsted weight, it's a much denser fabric, like something that you would want to wear in the winter and be cozy. I am distracted by how offended I am that she didn't do the plover pullover. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm just sad. That's all. That's it. (laughs) Maybe she's not into alliteration. (laughs) So there are different ways to play around with what yarns we choose to match with our patterns. And you can kind of experiment and see which type of knitter you are. Are you someone who wants to choose your gauge and do some math and change things? Or do you want to play with fabric density and just knit the pattern as it's written? Something for you to keep in mind in any direction you choose to go, though, is that substituting yarn is going to impact the amount of yardage that you need. Yes. Like if you need a thousand yards to knit something in the weight that the pattern designer recommends and the size that you usually knit, If you dramatically change your gauge, the weight of the yarn that you're using, you're working from an adjusted size, there's not one magic potion that gets you to a precise number. You're kind of estimating. And depending on which direction you go, there are lots of different variables. So having more yarn than you think you need is going to be valuable to you here. I would use the actual scale weight as a guide. It's not going to get you there 100%. Let's say I have a skein of fingering weight that is 400 yards and it weighs 100 grams and I am substituting it for worsted weight that is 200 yards and 100 grams. I'm going to want to think about how many 100 grams the pattern calls for and I'm going to want to make sure that I have that number of 100 grams of fingering weight more than I'm going to think about the yardage specifically. And some of that you're going to lose in thickness because worsted weight fabric is thicker than fingering weight fabric. Just have extra yarn, basically. Yeah, and in the show notes, we'll put links to a couple of tools if you want more particular yardage estimates. On the Jimmy Beans Wool website, they have a knitting calculator that makes broad estimates of yardage. It has you choose from a drop-down menu the type of project that you're knitting. So adult cardigan, baby romper. They have some sort of algorithm set up for these different types of things. And then your gauge numbers get plugged in, and it gives you an estimate, a range of how much yardage you might need. There's also a design instructor. Her website is Sister Mountain, and she has some fairly complicated math on how to estimate yardage in knitting patterns. And she walks you through this post with lots of equations, like lots of equations, Or if you decide that you are interested and you want to sign up for her newsletter, she will give you access to her yardage estimate spreadsheets. The math is already done on the back end, and you can just plug all of your numbers and measurements in, and it will calculate those ranges for you. Those are handy tools if you want to do this and you feel like you need more calculated numbers than broad estimates. Whatever you decide to do, Kelsey you should let us know. Are you going the math route? Are you going the gauge swatch route? Did it work? Inquiring minds want to know. I want to know. We want pictures. (laughs) (laughs) So what's on your needles, Jessica? I am working on my EZV pullover from Caitlin Hunter still, and I have gotten through my cute ribbed neck band that I am so enamored with, and I'm working on my color work, which is lots of fun because three colors of spin cycle lead you to lots of unexpected color changes (laughs) as you work through a yoke. So that's going, but slowly, because I'm definitely in an increasing section, and this thing has lots of positive ease, so every row that I knit is very slow. It takes me a long time. (laughs) 
And sometimes I realize that I've started my color work chart on the wrong side of my beginning of round stitch marker. Okay, so let me tell you, there is a center front and a center back stitch marked. Oh. So there's this like one stitch on each side that's kind of isolated. And I two times have counted that as my first stitch, even though it is my last stitch. And it is skewed my color work by one stitch all the way around. And I never realize it until I get all the way to the end of the row. So twice I've had to carefully unpick a very long round of knitting to correct my off by one stitch color work. It's been a long, distracting week, though, so I'm just not paying very good attention to what I'm doing. (laughs) I should be able to handle this. It's not complicated. What's on your needles, Karen? Oh, my oak moss. Yeah. So I posted a little bit about this on Instagram. There are pictures. I messed up the center cable panel, and I had dropped it all back, and I had used, at Jessica's suggestion, gourd pins to sort of separate out. It was like four strands per vertical repeat of the cable pattern. It was going great. I was like, this is fine. I made it about two-thirds of the way up. I had just like taken an afternoon. I had been reconstructing. It was going okay. And then somewhere I lost a stitch at the end of one of the rows. And it was my last little section of the cable. It went away. Yeah. And like the two Google DK, I love it, by the way. I love knitting with it. It is kind of sticky, which is part of why I'm enjoying knitting with it. But it was just like in there somewhere. (laughs) And I tried dropping just that part down a couple of rows. And like the way the cables are intertwined, that was becoming an issue. So I was having to move like further and further over. And dropping down, and I was like, I'm going to end up just ripping this all back to the beginning, reconstructing it all again. I was like, I would rather just re-knit it. So I actually just frogged the whole sweater and cast it on again. And I am already all the way through the yarn I had used the first time. That's amazing. Yeah. I still really love this pattern. I still really love this yarn. I'm not mad about having to knit it again. I'm a little annoyed that I did that. It's still really fun, and I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good sweater. I crossed a cable. So there's the like 25 stitch basket weave, and then there's like a very traditional cable on either side. Mm -hmm. I did cross a cable way back at the very beginning of the very traditional cable on one side, and I think I'm going to duplicate stitch over it. That sounds ideal. Yes. That is like a tried and true method of correcting a incorrectly crossed cable. I was thinking because it's such sticky yarn, I was actually a little bit considering cutting the yarn and then trying to pick that out and then like needle felting it back together. You know what I mean? Rather than dropping it the whole way down. And I was like, no, we don't need to do like some kind of wild inventive science here. I am just going to duplicate stitch and move on with my life. That feels like a good plan. Get this sweater knit. Let's do a check-in with the Make Good Cables Knit Along. That's right. So some of you, many of you, have decided to knit along with us this summer with something that feels kind of cozy and wintry, cables. You've made amazing progress and done really cool things. I've seen cabled hats and socks and sweaters and swatches and headbands, all sorts of stuff happening. And there is still time to participate. So if you haven't cast on yet, you still can, because of course, with all of our knit-alongs, we don't expect you to be finished by the final day of the knit-along. We are going to be knitting these cables together until Sunday, July 31st. And then poof, the Make Good Cables knit-along is done. 
we will randomly select one of you who has posted a picture, shared it with us using the hashtag MakeGoodCables, or sent it to us on a private channel if for some reason you don't have public social media, because we respect your boundaries. That's cool, too. We will announce who wins the knit-along on our Instagram and contact you. We all win the knit-along. I mean, everyone wins the knit-along. There's also a gift card, but really it's a spiritual victory. It's in your heart. Winning. I had a hat victory. I did finish my hat, and I really loved it, so I'm glad we did this knit-along because y'all know I'm bound to lose all the hats I ever have, so having another one on deck feels safe going into fall. I think that might be it for us this week. It sure is. You can listen to us anywhere you get your audio podcasts, possibly where you're hearing us right now. Please rate and review us. It helps other knitters find us so they can listen along to make good as well. Also tell your friends. Friends love getting podcast recommendations from their friends. You can follow us on Instagram at makegoodpod. Big huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. Y'all are amazing. We love you. And you are the people who let us do this every single week without ever taking on advertisers. You can visit us on our website, makegoodpod.com. Check out the show notes there, or you can send us a question via the contact form or the voicemail, or you can email us a question at dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com, and please include your pronouns. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.